Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Hey everybody, David here, and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. In this episode, recorded live from ETI Tooltech 2021 in Austin, Texas, we speak to George Lesniak, the Director of Sales and Training at Autel USA. Every shop owner and technician who thinks they can sit on the sidelines and see how the proliferation of ADOS is going to play out is in for a rude awakening. Even those shops that avoid investing in the equipment for ADOS will face the liability of possibly compromising critical safety components simply for touching regularly repaired systems such as brakes, tires, steering, and suspension. George dives into what that means for every shop owner and technician looking to avoid becoming irrelevant or a significant liability in the next three to five years. Before we begin our conversation with George, please take a moment to hit that like button if you're on YouTube. It's quick and really helps us out. If you like our content, consider subscribing to the channel. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast listening app, make sure you're set to automatically download the latest episode so you never miss an upload. And now, here we go. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you today, Lucas? I'm fantastic. This is really the first time we've met in yes. person. I've, I've, I've followed you for a long time. You are the ADOS master, right? I mean, at least that's what everybody around says. Well, that, I, that's very kind of them to say. But, uh, um, quite frankly, I feel like everyone else, I'm continually learning. ADOS is constantly developing. Uh, you see new technologies coming out from the OEMs all the time, new procedures, new targets, new fixtures. And just, you know, trying to keep up like everyone else is. But right. also at Autel, we're trying to to lead that path, especially in the art, uh, aftermarket ADOS world. Right. Well, and, and, you know, it's really interesting because um, it seems like years ago, Autel 
was nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, all of a sudden. Yes. I mean, that's the tool that everybody says, hey, if you're going to do this, you need to all tell. If you're going to do that, you need to all tell. Um, and, and so it's been neat to watch the company grow. Um, you know, you bring up some interesting points and, and the fact that technology is changing. And one of the things that shop owners always ask, they always talk about, is, wait a minute, technology's changing so fast. How can I in- invest in this new tool? Mm-hmm. Because it might change in two months. Did I waste my money? That's a, that's a great point. In fact, there's actually a lot of um, myths and misconceptions and misinformation online about the direction that the OEMs are going to be taking ADOS calibration. And I'm very blessed in my current career with Autel and being able to work with a lot of the OEs mm-hmm. on development of ADOS platforms. And pretty much everyone that I, that I can think of is heading towards static calibrations. And they all admit that is not going away. Even when we get to fully autonomous vehicles, right. static calibrations are still going to be a thing. Yes, there's the few holdouts that still have... Uh, quite a bit of dynamic calibrations. Toyota, that's been static forever, has now started introducing dynamic calibrations for their forward-facing camera. But um, even they say static is not going away. So as far as investing, whatever equipment a shop is investing in when it comes to ADOS calibrations, static is not going away. You want to make sure you have a platform that you can grow with, something that you can add to. And that's actually where where we started with Autel back in 2018 when we rolled out our first um, right. static calibration platform. Right. And, and you know, that is a really comprehensive platform, right? I mean, it, it, it does just about everything you need to do. David, what was it you were asking earlier? You said something about the fact that, you know, the size of the room and all of those factors. What, what was your question about that? I don't remember. <laughs> Great. <laughs> the the biggest concern is that it's not just the the equipment cost. It's making sure that you have the right room and there isn't sunlight coming in, casting on light or shadow, or whatever. Uh, how much how much is that needed? How much of it is just kind of overblown? Uh, is it just you know certain OEs that are asking for that type of environment? Because you know, I'm, I can't, I can't fit any of that in my shop. I barely fit an alignment machine. Actually, yeah, yeah. I, I have an alignment machine with wheels, so we can just kind of move it around as we're pulling cars in and out. Well, you're not alone. <laughs> yeah, right. Well. And you, you think, you think about. Okay, so everyone wants to follow the OEM procedures for ADOS calibrations, liability issues, and things like that. Well, the OEMs dictate the shop environmental conditions that are required to perform an accurate calibration, flat level floors, minimum floor space, uh, depending on the type of vehicle and the type of calibration that's being performed. And I don't think that the OE engineers ever gave any thought to a calibration being performed away from the end of assembly line. Because what automotive repair shop has a flat level floor? Yeah. Pretty much all of our shops were designed with slope to shed water and floor drains and things like that. But you bring up an alignment lift. And an alignment lift is actually a great platform for performing an ADOS calibration as long as you have enough room between the front of the vehicle and the wall. Because, again, the distance to the targets is dictated by the OE. But that gives you a very nice flat-level platform to perform these ADOS calibrations and I know a lot of shops are performing calibrations just however their floor is. 
it really does dramatically impact the accuracy of the calibration. So you think of a floor that's just slightly... Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Be out of level, and if that vehicle is tilted, let's just say front to back by as little as a degree, and you think about how a forward-facing camera or forward-facing radar sensor actually operates, it's looking hundreds of meters down the road, that single degree could equate to five, 10 feet of error at 300 meters. So it really does matter. And it's all about doing things accurately, especially if you're a shop owner and you're concerned with potentials for liability. Which everybody should be. Yes. but If they're doing the calibrations. Yes. But it doesn't end with calibrations. In fact, it doesn't even begin with calibrations. We're in the auto repair industry and Everything we do carries liability. Yes, absolutely. ADOS has had so much um, mention in the automotive press recently that everyone's focusing on if you don't do it exactly to the OEM methods, you're liable. What about the main safety systems on a vehicle today? Tires and brakes. Yeah. You know, are we going to follow the same path for those systems, which we should? You know, yeah. we shouldn't be overlooking bad tires and performing improper right. brake jobs because those are absolutely critical safety systems, just like ADOS. Right. Well, and we just saw it, what, two weeks ago. There was a shop that, that ended up in a major situation, had a tire failure. And, and, and it was I, a Meineke, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And, and, and they ended up in some serious financial mm-hmm. trouble. And, and, you know, the guy, I think, pencil whipped the, the inspection and said the tires are fine. Mm-hmm. Vehicle leaves, the tire was not fine. It wasn't, and they didn't allow the customer to know to decline the work in essence. Right. Exactly. Uh, and so they got in, in quite a bit of trouble. Uh, we were talking to uh, the guys from Denso last night. I mentioned that Scott Brown had, had been talking about some of the technology that BMW was putting in their accident avoidance system. And he was talking about how well these cameras are able to identify pedestrians and things like that. And, I, and immediately my mind went to, well, what about the tires and what about the brakes? Because mm-hmm. if the tires are cheap 
generic tires that are not for what the vehicle was designed for, that system was only going to work as well as the tires can grip. Exactly right. And the same thing with the braking system. What if they pad slapped it and like, oh, you don't need rotors this time. It'll be fine. And then the accident avoidance system kicks in. And instead of being at 152 feet, it's at now 156 feet. Right. And now you killed somebody. Exactly. Who's liable now? And I don't think a lot of these shops are giving any credence to that. They're not They're not looking at it as, I'm just trying to get the sale. I'm just trying to get the, the brake jobs. Or like Dutch was telling the story about uh, the lady who wanted to, to, she wanted to trade the car in. She wants to trade the car in. It's a Mercedes. He quotes her. It was over $1,000 for the braking system repair. She wanted, she she ended up picking the car up, left a bad review at a shop and said, I took it down to a Firestone and got it done for $699. And I mean, he wrote this really long reply. I mean, it was essentially saying that, I'm sorry, I'm not going to compromise the safety of the vehicle just because you're trading it in. Yeah. Like I'm going back to OE stuff. I'm using everything that that's required from the manufacturer to their exacting standards because you may be looking at it. I want to save 500 bucks now, but all you're doing is really just kicking the can down the road. You're not compromising the second owner's safety. Exactly right. And I, I, again, that's not something that I don't think everybody's thinking about. It's not just, do I have this ADOS calibration down pat? It's what do the tires look like? What about the braking system? And it's not even the shop owners. Now it's the consumer who really needs to make the decision. I wrote an article just talking about this exact thing to send out to my customers for my newsletter. And, and I, I essentially laid it out to them. I said, look, ultimately, this is going to be on you. You're going yeah. to need to understand what it is that the vehicle has. And you're going to make sure that you've chosen the right vehicle professional to advise you on what the proper repair is. Mm-hmm. And not just what's cheapest, not what what will get you by. That I get that all the time from customers. What, what's going to get me by? Well, you bought a vehicle with all of these accident avoidance systems. I'm right. sorry, this very expensive repair is what's going to get you by. Because you're, anything you're exactly we right. take away is going to compromise the safety of, of the vehicle. If we do go cheaper tires, we do a cheaper brake system, whatever. It, it doesn't matter at this point. Like You have to now, just the alignment. Is the alignment going to be right? The steering components, right. like there's so many variables now. There really are. But well, you, what are you David, doing? David, you out? hit on something that's a key, and it's that awareness and education that the shop owner needs to do with the consumer yeah. that me and my team need to do with the shop owners to make them aware of these systems and the services that they're performing today that directly impact the ability of the ADOS systems to function properly. Yeah. And, you know, okay, there's a lot of shop owners that want to do it right, but there's still shop owners that would rather not be aware because if yeah. you if you think about it, here, I've got a car coming in that's going to get a set of four tires, maybe some suspension work and an alignment, and now it needs one or more ADOS calibrations. And those two calibrations that need to be performed may cost more than the tires in the alignment, and they may lose the job because of it. Yeah. And they'd rather not have to explain to the customer and then they go down the street to the, you know, to another shop that isn't as professional and isn't performing ADOS calibrations, they end up getting the, yes. the business. This shop who's trying to do it right loses the sale. So it's, yeah, it, it's a vicious circle. And that's actually the job of uh, what I got brought on to Autel 4 two years ago was to start raising awareness with shop owners about ADOS calibrations and why it's critical and 
you know, my team of trainers goes out and trains on all of the ADOS equipment that we sell, not just how to set up and use the equipment, but how to perform an accurate quality calibration. Yeah. And just, you know, trying to bring that level of shop owners up just a little bit at a time. Well, and, and you bring up some really important points because what ends up happening is, and, and we've done the technician interviews, we've done the shop owner interviews, talk to service advisors. One of the things that keeps coming up is, is the shop owner kind of puts that liability on the technician, mm-hmm. right? And, and the technician's saying, no, I'm, I'm not doing that unless it's right. So many technicians. And, and that's one of the things we've been talking about on the podcast is why are good techs working for bad shops? And, and, you know, you got the good shops who can't find good techs, but, but they're being forced to do this work improperly. And I think at one point or another, even though the shop owner says, Hey, listen, I just need you to do this. Right. Uh, the technician's got to say, no, that's not the right way to do this. Um, you know, we see a lot of shops, and I, it's not a popular opinion, but I see a lot of shops that probably shouldn't be open, probably shouldn't totally, be working totally on cars. I agree. You know, and Lucas, don't get me started on the so-called technician shortage because we did that to ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in, in the automotive industry, David, you mentioned uh, a shop working on a Mercedes and wanting to use all, all OE and do it right. So there's a shop that's charging what they're worth for the services that they perform. And they can probably afford to pay their technicians what they're worth. But so many shops, think about it. Shop owners, did they go to business school to become an auto repair shop owner? No, they were a mechanic. And then then they said, why should I work for someone else? I'm going to start my own repair shop. And they're not looking at the business side. So how could I grow my business? Sell my services cheaper than anyone else. Yep. If I do that, I can't afford to pay for the best technicians. I can't yeah. afford the best tools. And it's just, it's a vicious circle. That's it. We, so, uh, it becomes a mindset that they're interchangeable. They're just, you know, oh, well, this guy isn't willing to do it, but I can find somebody who can do it. Right. And I can probably get them at a cheaper price. So then they just throw anybody in there. It's like, oh, you've got tools. Great. Go work at this. And as long as the warranty rate is X amount. Right. It's fine and just keep pumping out subpar work as long as they're able to sell it at enough at a fast enough pace exactly. that, you know, now they're they're making good money. And then other shops see that person buying the boats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> rolling in the fancy cars and they're going, Well, I want that too. How'd you do it? And oh, don't worry about that. Don't worry about the technicians. Don't worry about, you know, having everything perfect. Just beat up your vendors. Get you know, but beat them up on price. Make sure you get it, the parts as cheap as possible. Sell it for as much as you can without letting the customer walk. And if they try to walk, start to discount. What do we talk to Cody about discounting? They were they were charging a flat diagnostic fee. It was like a, an hour. And the the owner of the company, and this was a larger chain where he lived. The owner of the company finally came down and they said, you know, you're not just you're just not producing like some of our other guys. And he goes. Look at how much you guys are discounting. I'm spending three or four hours diagnosing this car, but then your your service advisors are discounting the extra three hours, mm-hmm. and you're not charging the customer. So the customer leaves thinking, "Oh, they they did those four hours of diagnostic work for for a hundred bucks or 150 bucks, yep. whatever an hour's worth." You're devaluing my work. And then now you're blaming me. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> devaluing the entire industry. Yes. Oh, you, yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, so was it Fonslow that we talked to and, and we talk about the ceiling, right? Eventually there is a ceiling 
Um, and, and, you know, I, I think of appliance he, repair. He thinks that, though. But, I mean, the, the cheapest Kia comes with some of these systems standard. Yeah. Yes. And so it's no longer like it's no longer. I'm just yes. going to get the beater with the roll down windows and the stick shift, and doesn't even have a tack. And my first car didn't have a passenger side mirror because it was an option, right? And I had su- such a. It didn't have fifth gear. I had fourth gear, and that's it. Like <laughs> fifth gear was an option. Like they don't make cars like that anymore. Right now they're like everything. Now even the bottom base level vehicle was five years ago the top of the line model mm-hmm. on their mid-tier car and now so the well, idea that that they're going to get to the point where like well now now it's just not worth fixing i don't know like what do I, you do with that I, car well here's my thought process though is i think we're a long way away from that ceiling you think? i don't think we're anywhere close to it and and my other thought is is that as vehicles become more and more expensive Right. These older vehicles are starting to come off the road. I think consumers have a rude awakening because they're going to be forced into the, this, uh, repair market that they never envisioned. They never imagined because these shops are doing things subpar now. Hmm. They're going to run out of that option eventually. That's going to, I don't think they're going to get the option to do it to the degree they're doing it right now. Maybe they don't go to the level of precision that we think they should. But I think it's going to eliminate a lot of their opportunities to shortchange the process. Enough people are going to get sued. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Abs- I don't know yes. if it's sued or if it's that, that you know, the calibration's not right and the car's not right, so it doesn't perform correctly. You know, years ago, Scott Brown and, and Terry Jackson, one of my technicians, went to a class with Scott Brown, and, and uh, Scott pointed out that the one of the sensor brackets was bent. So he had left the airport and as he's pulling out in his rental car, you know, it's activating abnormally. And now he's spilling his coffee all over the place. You want to talk about a client coming back upset. That'll do it, you know? And so we, we always go back to the safety issue. And of course that's a big deal, but basic functions important too. And, and especially if it can affect their experience of vehicle ownership and you're right, there's no base models anymore. Right. The base models are fading. What does that mean to the rest of the market? What what do you see in the next five years? Oh, as far as uh, the proliferation of ADOS yeah. equipment on vehicles, it's growing and growing. David, you, you hit the nail on the head. More and more so-called base vehicles are coming with some of the more basic ADOS functions. You know, lane departure warning, forward collision warning, automatic emergency braking. Just to add that extra bit of safety, you know, to those more right. inexpensive vehicles. So it used to be, you know, one of the things we cover in the my training classes is how new is ADOS? So many shops think this is something brand new that only came out in the last couple right. of years. Right. You know, ADOS has been on the road in the United States since 1999, but it was on those very high-level vehicles. They were high-cost options, so there weren't a lot of them out there. Now it's on every, every vehicle, just about 90-something percent of the cars coming uh, out of... Uh, the vehicle manufacturers hitting the road in the U.S. have one or more ADOS function. And by the end of 2022, it'll be all new cars, you know, with, right. you know, the OEMs getting into that joint agreement to hit 100% of, you know, vehicles covered with automatic emergency braking and forward collision warning. So this is not going away. But this is also the perfect time for a shop to be getting into ADOS calibrations because as the number of vehicles ramp up. Mm-hmm. And as those new vehicles get out of warranty 
and the shops are going to start servicing them on a regular basis, they need to be ready today for what's right. going to happen in one, two, three, five years. Yeah. Not right. wait until then to make a decision on where they're going to go. Otherwise, you know, they're going to be left in the cold. Exactly. And, and you know, one of my experiences, especially in, in my hometown, is, is we're seeing a lot of shops who it very much feels like they're waiting for somebody to come write them a check for the business. Right. Their retirement plan is, That's true. I have this business and I have these tools and I spent all this money on it. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not interested. Come pay me. You can have it. And that's how they're going to retire. And, and obviously it's not realistic. They, a lot of them have unrealistic expectations. So, you know, if they're waiting and they don't prepare for ADOS, if they're not, you know, advancing that technology. It's not even ADOS though. It's just doing just basic repair. Like we were saying earlier, like how are you servicing those brakes? What type of tires are you suggesting to the customer? Right. Because now you have to start thinking as as whole systems. I guess my point is, is they're backing themselves into a corner they yes. can't get out of. Oh, and they're then, screwed. And yeah. then they say, well, you know, well, I'm, I want to fix this. Well, great. You need to make $250,000 worth of investments to your facility. Your racks mm-hmm. are wore out. You're, you know, you don't have a scan tool or you, you have a, a basic scan tool. You need to come up with some calibration. You got to be able to do alignments. You got to, Right. And all right. of a sudden, you've got a lot of shops in the United States. And I, I'm not saying anything bad about them, but you've got a lot of shops all of a sudden that you got to say, hey, guys, sorry, yeah. you're in trouble. Well, how much do you see the OEs heading towards adding more warning lights? Uh, some of these vehicles are leaving, quote unquote, calibrated. They're not. Like you were saying, they're yes. just, they're hair off. The car doesn't know. The, the vehicle owner doesn't know. The collision shop or the shop or whatever, there's no lights on the dash. Yeah, ship it. Well, yes, more and more OEs are looking or actually working towards having some type of an indicator to give the driver notice that the ADOS functions or the ADOS sensors are not properly calibrated. Some vehicles can do that today. They'll set a fault code for improper calibration. But for the most part, what's on the road today, the only fault codes we see are when something is actually broken. We had a network issue, a connector, a sensor failure, something along those lines. And uh, unfortunately, again, this comes back to lack of awareness. Many people think no fault code, no problem. It doesn't need to be calibrated and nothing could be further from the truth. They have no idea. Yeah, exactly. That's sort of the problem. But do you see that the main, do you see that's probably going to be the end game then? The manufacturers start adding a whole mess of buzzers and (laughs) just like the seatbelt thing. You know, well, wear your seatbelt, that thing just beep, beep, yep. beep. I think it may actually time. take some level of uh, government intervention. Think of, really? Th- yeah, think of uh, pre-OBD2. <laughs> Everyone, every vehicle manufacturer was doing their own thing, not just with scan tools and diagnostic connectors, but with components. Right. You know, try to find a common name for a simple oxygen sensor before 1996. Well, Okay, so they didn't necessarily do a perfect job, but they did get the OEs to come together with some level of standardization. Uh, I think that needs to happen with ADAS. And it's not just about the naming of systems and the naming of sensors. It's how the systems function, how the, the, the calibrations are performed. You're having a more standardized procedure, not necessarily a standardized target that I could see that being you know, having a lot of pushback from the OEMs, but, um, that would be ideal though. That would be very desirable, like a standard protocol that you're not having to buy. Your setup is nice, 
But like you, you have a nice basic setup. But then there's like, oh, if you want to do this model and exactly. then this model and then this model, there and are then so I get many it. different so targets many, yeah, and accessories. Yeah. And unfortunately, those can't go away because yeah. all the vehicles that are currently in play are yeah, using those. But yeah, you know, I can see the OEMs going down that kind of a path sure. eventually. But where the government intervention comes in is those standardized warning indicators on the dash to tell you that, you know, this indicator is for lane departure warning. Everyone's doing their own thing. It's the wild west out there. Yeah. But when it comes to that warning for improper calibration, that's what's really, really needed. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, they have screens now because, you know, when they introduced the tire thing, I don't know how many customers came in. They're like, Oh, is that because I had a, my old shop, I had a I had a poster up and it said, "Hey, we can fix this for yes. you if you have this light." I don't know how many customers came in. They're like, "I had no idea what that was for. It's been on the whole time. I've had it on the car, right? You know, the sensors weren't calibrated, or the sensor was down, or you know, right. tired. Hey, if that light's on, there's a problem with one of your tires, or one of the sensors monitoring your tires. Uh, you know, it, it, it was a lack of awareness on the consumer exactly. side. They had no idea." So it, even standardization will only get you so far as far as lights. Now you start adding buzzers and, and right, uh, right, exactly. Well, and, and you know, it, it's just like the tire pressure warning, like you said. You know, it, as a technician, as an owner, man, I'm I don't want the tire pressure light on in my wife's vehicle. And I know it may not be that important to some people, but I mean, I want her to know. I don't want her driving on a on a flat tire and turning exactly. the vehicle over. You know, and and I I think it's important that. As shop owners, we educate our clients um, or service professionals as a whole. We, we've got to educate our clients and make sure they're aware of what they're driving. What they're driving today is not what they were driving 10 years ago. Not what they were driving five years ago. Oh, no. Yeah, of course. And Jumping to 2021. And man, it is. I have a 17 and I bought in my car specifically because it didn't have this stupid uh, thing and that stupid thing. Sh- I didn't want 1234 YF and I, you know, right. I wanted something simple. It's got a stereo yeah. and some roll down windows. I'm <laughs> good. <laughs> you know, Lucas, you're talking about that, that education of the consumer. So many times when I'm talking to a shop owner and say, you know, if, if you could just educate the customer about these ADOS functions and why they're important, I don't have time for that. We're too right. busy. You know, if you just took that second, that minute yeah. to educate a customer, that right. can turn into a revenue stream that would just be right. unbelievable. If you just take the time to service the customer, make them more knowledgeable about the vehicle that they're driving, and they would feel better about paying more for the services Amen. and not feeling like they're getting yeah. ripped off. Well, you know, one of the big topics that's always coming up is the relationship versus the transactional yes, model. exactly. And, and I think that when I began to learn what the relationship model was, it's about more than just selling service, right? It's about taking care of your client. Exactly right. It's about caring for them. And, and you know, one of the things that we see happen is, is especially when we kind of convert to a different business model, right? We're starting to switch over to this relationship model. We realize that we do more if we slow down. Yes. Right. And it, it's not about working on 10 cars a day. And, and, you know, in our shop, our technicians work on a maximum of three cars a day, maybe four. Right. But they're scheduled a maximum of three cars a day and one emergency slot. Hmm. We're not over here trying to pack the base full because we know that we can't do a proper job looking that vehicle over, making sure it's safe and reliable for that client if we're trying to rush it through the doors. And I, I think it's something that we've got to change our mindset that speed's not everything. And I think flat rate, I mean, let's just be honest, flat rate needs to die. Um, I said it. Without a doubt. Um, I, I think it's got so much to do with where Poor we're Mike at. Allen. 
Yeah, Mike Allen. Well, one of our good <laughs> friends is, you know, he, he he's a fan of flat rate. He's uh, a, he's a, a proponent of it, and he uh, I don't know. He'll he'll defend it. He's been on the podcast before defending defending flat rate. I uh, I just don't believe in it myself. <laughs> but you know, so uh, my question for you now is: Let's say that that a shop says they're listening to this and they say, "All right, I hear what they're saying." Time to get into the 21st century. I don't have a choice. This is coming, right? And right. I mean, I think we're, yeah, That's I think, what saying. <laughs> well, I know, but I think we're all in agreement that the point is coming. We're not going to be able to get around it, yeah. get around it, right. right? It's just shipping it to the dealer an option for forever. Surprisingly, the dealership isn't necessarily the best place to get an ADOS calibration done properly. Some of the things that I've seen dealerships do. Uh, especially using their worshipped OE equipment, uh, they they cut corners <laughs> like you would not believe, and, right? And it is scary sometimes. Well, that's that flat rate model, right? Yeah, exactly right. That's the flat rate model. They they they're not interested necessarily in getting it right. And you know, I, I was talking to uh, one of the the guys from CTI years ago, and he was telling a story about Chrysler. He said they had an engineer that he was talking to, and he said, "Listen." It's not my problem. That's not going to break until after 100,000 miles. Right. My, my problem is to fix it while it's under warranty. I don't care what you guys do after that. It's not my problem to figure it out. Y'all go figure it out. You know? That brings up a good point because you know, th- there is this ongoing OE versus aftermarket argument online that's ne- never going to end. But something that a, a lot of the technicians and shop owners, especially the OE-only advocates, don't understand about that OE service information, mm-hmm. one, it was never intended for the aftermarket. And it was not written as a guide to properly fix a car. It was 100% about mitigating, mitigating warranty costs. Oh, that's an interesting period. perspective. That's all it was about. That's awesome. And dealing, yeah. dealing with OEs today and talking to them about ADOS calibration procedures and what the actual procedure that the engineers write looks like versus what's published it, yeah, it, they don't, they don't resemble one another because the engineers put together a procedure that has all the details. It wow. answers the question, why are we doing it this way? Right. And then when they hand it off to a technical writer that may not even own a car and they're rewriting this. So in their words, so the mechanic can understand it. No. They, leave, they leave out all the details. <laughs> right. No. Right. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> well, you know, that that's one of the things that I remember when I first started kind of coming into my own as a technician is that I wanted to understand why, not necessarily how. I didn't want you to just. There's dis- a bunch of good technicians. My technicians want to know why that works that way. Yeah. Yes. And why it failed. And, you know, they want to right. know the, the they want to ask the question behind the question. they like, it's great that I'm just replacing that. Well, what happened to it? What's going to prevent it in the future? Where's the design flaw? What broke? They're yeah. asking questions. The best technicians are the most curious ones. The ones yeah. that are just slapping parts in there. I mean. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I, I think that's. Where By the way, you just triggered a whole bunch of shop owners when you said that. Oh, OE, yeah. That always not. It's not all that. Yeah, they're, they're going <laughs> to blow up over here in a minute. So, okay, the OE scan tools, absolutely awesome. But just because you have an OE scan tool and OE calibration equipment doesn't mean you're doing it right. Yeah. You still have to do it right. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And just because you, you have aftermarket doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. If, right. you know, if you're taking the time and doing your measurements and putting that target exactly where the OE says it needs to be, 
who cares what is holding that target up in the air? Right. Are you going to use Toyota's one meter stick of wood right. or a solid metal platform to you know stably hold that target in place? Right. Let's face it. The scan tool does not perform the calibration. The car does. Right. The scan tool is just making a request. Telling it to do it. Exactly right. right. No, even more more simple than that, it's requesting it. Right. And if the scan tool can't request it, you can't do it. It's right. not like you're going to do it wrong. Yeah. You know, you can't tell a General Motors to, to calibrate when the scan tool just can't co- communicate with the module. Right. And and that's a really interesting perspective. So, um, you know, and I, and I think that's one of the things that we keep hearing about. So let's say this. Let's say you get a car in. And, and it's one of the fears that shop owners have when they go to buy a tool and they say, you know, maybe it's a snap on guy. Maybe it's the all tail guy. Whoever says, mm-hmm. yep, it'll do everything you need done. It'll do it. Right. It'll do it. No problems. And then you get it and you put that thing in and you pull this client's car in. You say, all right, I've done all the repairs. I'm ready to do the calibration. You know, David ran into this with a YF machine a couple weeks ago. But you do all this work and now you've got to have the tool. And you click that button and it says, not supported. Yes. Hold up. So how do we overcome that? How do we overcome, A, the fear of it? And what do we do if we get into that situation? That's a great question. And no aftermarket tool is perfect. Right. I mean, here I've got Autel emblazoned on my on my chest here. That's actually a, a tattoo, not a, a logo <laughs> on my shirt. Um, but, yeah, the, the tool's not perfect. But it's a very good tool. So there are vehicles that we cannot yet do right. that may be having access to an OE service to do those few vehicles that we can cover would be a good right. solution. And it's one of the reasons that we're coming up with, or we just announced a product called Remote Expert. Right. So we have the remote capability to do an OE reprogramming or OE calibration through our aftermarket scan tool. Oh, very cool. So that way we can fill in those gaps and we can do, for the most part, everything. Right. That's pretty awesome. So let's say a shop owner, like I said, has listened to this Mm -hmm. and they say, well, I guess this is it. It's time to get with the 21st century. Let's, let's make it happen. 1-800-CALL-GEORGE. <laughs> That's it. Call him <laughs> up. So how, how do we begin to, to work through that, right? We need to purchase equipment. And, and one of the things that I've learned from listening to your classes for the past couple of years is we're not just talking about buying equipment. This is a whole lot more than putting a piece of equipment in a bay and saying, guys, have fun. Exactly right. It's all about the training. The shop needs to be trained. The shop owner, the service advisors, the technicians performing the calibrations need to be thoroughly trained, not just in the operation of the equipment, but in the systems on the vehicle. You have to know why you're calibrating. Why does the floor need to be flat and level? Why does the gas tank need to be full? There's a lot of training involved. It's not just equipment. It is a system that you're getting into. And when it comes to which system is right for a shop, there's a lot of uh, different systems from different uh, manufacturers available. Research them all. It's not about price. If you're going to buy calibration equipment based on price, you lose. Right. Look at what will it do for you? What's the service? What's the support? What's the training that comes with it? But what's the coverage? And I'm not saying buy the one that has the most coverage. Buy the one that has the right coverage for the vehicles that you're currently working on and the vehicles that you think you may be working on in the near future. Right. Right. Very good. Now, you brought up something, uh, talking about somebody that bought all OE tools uh, to do calibrations. 
and the talking about the mobile technicians. The poor guy's getting trashed on. <laughs> yeah, so this guy was ragging on the, the mobile guys, and he's he's like, these guys are coming out to these collision shops mostly, mm-hmm. and they're you know they come up, jump out of a van, pull the equipment out, roll the car out in the parking lot. It's like calibrated, and then they ship it. Right. And he was essentially saying, I mean, he had invested over $100,000 in tools and said, this is the only way to do it properly. And I can't believe that these guys are being allowed to do this. And we need to educate the, the consumer that your car is not properly calibrated. Um, <clears throat> is, is having cheaper equipment, you know, I mean, how, how do you prevent that in essence? Like, well, what do you do? about the mobile guy that that uh, isn't willing to do it properly or doesn't care or just wants to you know grab those quick 200 bucks for for calibrating it and, and what, balancing what, what can you do and it's it's not it's not just the mobile guys it's and it's not just ADOS calibrations it's the tires and it's the brakes and it's everything that we work on there's the places that want to do it right and there's the places that want to turn the quick buck mm-hmm. and again just cuz you have OE doesn't mean you're doing it right if you're doing it outside you're not doing it right and it comes back down to that desire by the technician or the shop owner to want to turn out quality work. Right. And whatever equipment that you want to use to get there, as long as the end result is a proper repair or a proper calibration. And it, it's not just the scan tool says calibration completed successfully. That's yeah. meaningless. Yeah. That just means the camera recognized or the radar sensor recognized something it believes to be a target. We have no idea what it calibrated on unless you followed all the step-by-step instructions and especially the, what I call the preconditioning instructions that, you know, make sure there's no load in the vehicle and those kind of things. The lighting is correct and the battery's up to, up to charge. Unless you follow all those steps to the letter and do a complete and thorough test drive and verify that the systems are operating according to the way the OE designed it, yeah, you're not doing a proper calibration. Right. And, and yeah, that that last part that I said about verifying the operation, right. that's difficult because yeah. every OE implements their systems differently. You look at just lane departure warning between a Mazda and a Hyundai and a Toyota and a General Motors, the way they operate is all going to be different. So mm-hmm. how do you verify or validate that they're operating properly unless you have experience driving all these different makes and models of cars? Right. It's difficult. Yeah, that that is a challenge for sure. That it's a big challenge. Yeah. So you're you know, just discouraging all the shop owners though. Uh, like, no, it's a I challenge. Don't wanna, I don't want to mess with any of that. <laughs> just think if you do, if a shop owner says, you know what, I'm gonna take on that challenge and I'm gonna be the guy or gal that can actually provide the service to customers yeah. and do it right, you're opening up a channel of revenue that was never possible before. The, right? I guess the issue for me though as and i mentioned this with our last guest is that the dealers in my area are claiming that they are calibrating these systems for 150 bucks they're doing a scan well the consumer doesn't know exactly. i'm taking it to the dealer and i'm i think that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing in my mind they're setting up the targets and doing the whole you can't you can't do all that like that that whole process you just described there i mean it's three to five hundred bucks did you say that? Who said that? Um, our previous guest said that. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he was saying three to 500 mm-hmm. for proper calibration. That makes sense to me. It's like, okay, I'm going to charge 500 bucks. 
I now have to sell it to the consumer. I need to explain to them that, yeah, what the dealership is doing is not the same thing as what we're doing. We're doing a proper calibration. They're not. Not for 150 bucks. There's no way. Let me show you all the stuff I have to do. Put curtains around everything. Yes. And so you're, you're doing all of this to do a proper calibration. But the consumer, it's going to be an uphill battle. You're saying it's going to open up a, a line of revenue. I agree with you. Assuming that everybody else is either not doing it at all or they are also pursuing the same level of accuracy that I will, mm-hmm. but they're not. They're they're selling a, a false bill of goods. They're selling the goods. Well, yeah, we, we did calibration. I, t- I took a, a, a Honda Pilot. We had to clean off one of the radar panel doodads in the front there. Uh, it was throwing a code. And and so we we followed the repair procedure. I think there was a TSB on it, but because we t- t- disassembled so much stuff, I told I told the technician put it back together, and we're going to take it down to Honda and have them calibrate it. I think it charged me like 179 bucks or something like that. And I said, did you do a full calibration of the the accident avoidance and lane departure system? They're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or do you just charge me for it? <laughs> I think they just charge for an alignment. <laughs> Pratt walked out like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it works. They scan the car. No codes. We're good. Exactly. That, that's that's what I end up seeing. Is, oh, no. Yes. <laughs> if there's no codes, it doesn't need a calibration. What? Even at dealerships. Yeah. And see, that that's... <laughs> it's I'm, ban- over here. I'm panicking. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and that's that's what I'm hearing. And, and, you know, I was talking to a good friend of mine, not going to name him or the company he works for, but he said, my product is in a number of dealerships. And he said, I'm talking about providing this product to aftermarket facilities or, or the independents. And he said, so I'm going to take my car and I'm going to take it to one of these facilities. I'm going to have them calibrate it and see what the experience is like. He said, I've been to like three places so far and nobody's done. Oh, our machine's broken. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, and, and I would have preferred that. Rather than charge me money to scan the car and check the alignment. Right. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think anybody would, but. Well, the consumer doesn't know. No. I didn't know what they did. I asked for something very specific. I don't know that they provided it. I mean, just because you go to a restaurant and order a steak medium rare doesn't mean that it's medium rare. <laughs> but I can tell that it's not medium rare when I cut into it. I mean, that's a point. If right? they bring me chicken, I know something's <laughs> wrong. There's no way to know. You're eating the steak and you're like, oh, yeah, sure, it's steak. Well, you're, no, you're an informed consumer. You well, know the yeah. difference. Right. Well, no, that's what I'm saying is I took it to the dealership and they told me, hey, yeah, yeah, we did that. I didn't know. How was I supposed to tell? I mean, I guess I could could have driven it and said, well, let me try to crash into something, see if the car will stop. Right. Or let me, you know, let me go veer off the side of the road, see if it'll kick me back over or start, you know, flashing lights or whatever. Hey, listen, like, I know your luck. There is no way in hell. Yeah, the car would not have stopped. Yeah. <laughs> I would try that. <laughs> I would have gone flying through One the of the things that we teach technicians when they're using our system to calibrate is about that pre and post scan and documenting everything you do. Like, for instance, our tool with a pre and post scan allows you to use the camera in the scan tool to mm-hmm. photograph. So you take pictures of the setup and what you have to go through of the actual vehicle that you're calibrating in the bay, showing mm-hmm. the proper environment. And you've got that documented to say, here's what we had to do. And now you've got something of value that you could actually charge that consumer for and proof that you actually did it. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. And and I think that's I, I think they need to see it. Yes. They need to understand that these are two different things. Right. right? And and right now they don't. They just no, see it's something money. versus doing nothing. Right. Because they're not doing anything for the But the consumer scope. just sees dollar bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That, that's all they're seeing. They they you know it, it, I think we've got to we've got to acknowledge that our industry didn't have the best reputation to begin with. True. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to say, Hey, listen, we need to do this thing. And they're like, why do I need to do this thing? I don't understand. I took your bumper off. Yeah. It's going to be an extra 500 bucks. I took your bumper off. Well, what do you mean? Well, I got to recalibrate the whole thing. It's a whole thing. Sorry. I'll show you pictures after. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, I mean, it's something to think about. So, you know, what tell us what type of investment shop wants to get into it right now? And I know yeah, that's where, do, where, do, where do they start? Because you were saying that, like, okay, I have an alignment rack, it's leveled mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Like, I got it to very specific standards because I was planning on buying a certain machine and I bought something else, but you know, the, the thing's set up properly. So, but I only have so much space to the, the back of it, to the front of it. Mm-hmm. So, what, what are you looking at? So, okay, let's take that alignment machine and alignment rack depending on the manufacturer of the machine you're probably looking at a hunter right no no okay well if you were (laughs) Uh, certain alignment equipment manufacturers have integration kits for autel calibration equipment oh very nice so for instance hunter's got a camera kit that adds on to our system so our calibration will integrate with their alignment software and you perform who, who else do you use besides hunter uh let's see hunter chem rotary weisbarth and atlas at this time that's depressing i didn't get any i've of got those. a hunter <laughs> shut up so you, you got a john bean i did oh yes. man oh no <laughs> <laughs> You know, here you are. You're talking about the dealers not even doing the job they said, and he's going to look at you and say, "Listen, I'm really sorry, but no, John, John Bean makes great equipment." Um, <laughs> that was the most diplomatic answer. I, you were looking so sad. I have to. I'm never going to hear the end of this. My technicians. So I have one technician he hates doing alignments because he's like, "I've been doing it for 15 years. I don't want to do any more alignments." But he's like, if you're going to buy one, get a Hunter. That's what he told me to get. I said, but these guys are giving me this hell of a deal on this machine. And it's like super cheap payments for the first year. And it's like no interest and this, that, and the other. I'm like, I got to get this machine. And he's like, he's like, I'm t- this thing is going to fight me. I'm going to be pissed off at it. I'm just telling you it's so much easier. Just get a flipping Hunter. And I'm like, no, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And it just anytime anything goes wrong, I just hear about it. Sugar hunter, sugar hunter, him, sugar hunter. That's all I hear. <sighs> I, you know, I was, I was talking to a, a friend of mine the other day and he, he had had real old wore out tire machines. And I said, Hey, I'm curious. I, I, I kept telling him, look, we're really happy with our hunter machines. And, and these things have been worked, right? Mm-hmm. They're used. They're wore out machines. And uh, when we move into the shop, we're going to put new ones in. But I said, I'm curious. I want to know. Are you going to get the touchless one, the, the hit no, the button? And it... I'm not doing any of that. Um, I, I don't think I could stand that. I, I, I'm a physical no, person. No, no, no. I want to hit a button and it, you know, it beeps whenever it's done. Your tire's ready, sir. And I come over. It's already balanced and right. everything. 
You, you're already complaining about pushing the button on the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> so he wants a machine that will push the button on the microwave. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I want a voice activated. That would be awesome. To get, to get back to your original question right. about what's a shop looking at, yeah. it depends on what they want to be able to calibrate. Okay. So not only which vehicles, but what systems on those vehicles. Right. So a, a calibration system from Autel could be anywhere from twelve, thirteen thousand dollars to thirty plus thousand dollars. Sure. Depending on again what it is you want to be able to do. But I'm talking like space wise. Oh, space so wise. Like- so minimum you're looking sixteen by thirty two feet. And that you could do probably 60 to 70% of forward facing cameras, uh, quite a bit of uh, around view monitoring, uh, a lot of radar, a lot of blind spot, but not all. When you start getting into some systems like um, some Hondas for forward facing camera calibrations, they need six meters in front of the vehicle to place the target. Uh, some blind spot uh, monitoring calibrations need it's not just where you're placing the target but the free and clear space that is free of any uh, objects of metallic mass mm-hmm. that would potentially interfere with the radar sensor could take quite a bit of space uh, so all the way up to let's say a ford around view uh, monitoring calibration 25 by 45 or 50 feet wow so that's it, a lot of yeah, space it, yeah it depends unfortunately there's not a single answer to how much space you know you need unless you're working on a calibration station and you actually want to build a dedicated bay then i would say 30 by 60 would be an ultimate area to do calibrations 60. and not have any issues with any vehicle level Four. floor and and you said level floor and at least saying you can do it on the alignment rack because it's right. level and and didn't you was it you that mentioned in a class a while back about lighting Lighting is critical. I've seen so many calibrations fail because of lighting. Th- you know, think about the average shop. You go in the shop, you flip a switch, and all the lights come on. Well, right. That's not necessarily a good thing when it comes to calibration. Right. So I tell people that if you're going to be setting up a bay and you're going to have overhead lighting, see if you can put them on multiple switches so yeah. you can customize the lighting for the situation. Some vehicles, Subarus, uh, Volkswagen, Porsche, Audi, very, very sensitive to lighting. Some newer Toyotas and Hondas, very sensitive to lighting. And it's you can be too bright. You can be too dim. Shadows and things. Uh, Maybe you can get away with repositioning the vehicle, but that means resetting up the calibration system. And if you're doing it on an alignment lift, you're, you're not, yeah, you're, you're, right, you're not that, doing yeah. that. So yeah, lighting's critical. So, you know, one of the things I'm sitting here thinking about is we're building a shop, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about all the things you're saying and I'm thinking, okay. You didn't make room for it, did you? No, well, I've, I've, my alignment rack is going over on one side of the building. And so it'll be up against, not up against the wall but it'll be in close proximity to the wall. And then I'm thinking, well, should I put the alignment rack further in or should I put it closer to the door? What, you know, how, how do we, how do we navigate this? What kind of an alignment rack, not a brand, but what style of alignment? It's going to be a four post. post. Okay. So just the fact that it's a four post, um, can interfere with a lot of the forward facing camera calibrations. I told you to get that scissor lift. I don't want, I told you, I don't want to, I need bigger. Well, and, and so, so I've, I've. Well, this is a problem he just told you. Well, I've got two huge bays in the middle that have level floors and nothing around them. So I don't have to do it on my alignment. There rack, you go. Though. That's perfect. So I've, I've, I'm setting up to where I can put mobile columns in, ah. right? In two middle bays. They're going to be open down the middle of the mm-hmm. floor. They're 60, well, they're 52 foot deep. So I should have, you know, 
adequate room. So now it's a lighting thing. Yeah, it comes down to a lighting thing. Do I, I? I guess I need to be thinking about having the engineers reconfigure that wire. What about for putting that? tarps? Is that an option? Like putting like the that curtains? Tarps? Oh, absolutely. That's yeah. a great option. Yeah. Uh, tell you a quick story. I went to a, a tire dealer in Ohio that bought one of our systems, and every calibration that they did failed. And they're like, this piece of crap equipment, come take it back. Well, I had to go train them, and I walk into their facility, gorgeous tire center, big flat level floors in the back were ideal location for calibrations. But I noticed when I walk in, there's a whole wall of tires. They got a tire rack that's floor to ceiling. The wall behind it is white. There's tires missing. Right. So when oh. I walk in, I see this giant black and white checkerboard black and white pattern. So I say, this is your problem. And they're like, oh, no, we're going to have to move the tire rack. And that means you know, we're going to have to put another building on something. No. Get a tarp. Yeah. Get a roll-around whiteboard. Do the Toyota method. Have somebody stand behind the target with a three-foot-by-three-foot three piece of car- cardboard. It doesn't need to be fancy. Just right. something simple. So they got a piece of conduit and a tarp, and they wrapped it over and they with um, – Shower curtain rings, yeah, yeah, and just pull it in front of the tires when they have to calibrate, and it's perfect. That is awesome. That doesn't, is doesn't really. have to be fancy. So, so let me ask you this then, in closing. So, all these listeners, um, they they decide they want to implement Alltel in their shop. Mm-hmm. Who do they contact? And and let's say they need technical assistance. Where do they get technical technical assistance? And where do they get your training? Because you've done tons of training for IGONC. Yes. And and where do they get this information? How can they find you? That's a lot of questions. Okay, so <laughs> the training specifically. Yeah, tra- that's training the big specific. one. I really want to know what well, the training well, is. First, when it comes to buying the equipment, we only sell through distribution. Mm-hmm. So they have to find a distributor that yeah. they're happy with. We provide training through certain distribution channels. We don't provide included training when someone's selling online at rock bottom prices because they're undercutting the industry and we don't like to support that. But find a good distributor that's working with Autel, an Autel authorized distributor, and then we can work on the training for the equipment and they can either contact Autel tech support or they can contact me directly, uh, glesniak at autel.com. And Perfect. once you get your system in place, contact me, and I'll have one of my trainers come out. and Fantastic. Take them through, take them through the training. Well, you'll be getting a call from me soon then. Awesome. Uh, so and I know where you live. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Uh, <laughs> you know, Because he's in guy. the southeast like everybody else we've been talking to. <laughs> well, listen, I'm sorry that you live in wherever you live. Uh, so we'll – George, thank you so much for thank being you. here. This was awesome. It's been a blast. I'm, I'm glad you uh, upset all the OE guys. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm here to serve. I'm, I'm over here. <laughs> you know, prior to having this conversation, I was sitting here saying, nah, I don't think I'm going to. don't think I'm going to do the, the ADOS thing. And now I'm saying, don't think it I It sounds doable. Do it. Your, yeah, yeah. How do you not do it? You yeah. made a compelling case. Like you have to. Well, consider this. We talked about the static and the dynamic and where are things yeah. going. Right. FCA, now Stellantis, mm-hmm. historically has been all dynamic calibration except for a few statics for radar. Uh, they chose Autel as their OEM equipment. So really? Every wow. FCA dealership in North America is receiving an Autel calibration system as an essential tool. It's not an optional tool. It's an essential tool. They tested all the aftermarket systems for almost two years and ours came out far and above 
the best, according to the FCA engineers. That's awesome. So you want OE? <laughs> I love it. I love it. George, thank you so much. Thank buddy. you. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. We have several more eye-opening conversations from ETI Tooltech that I think you'll enjoy. If you'd like to catch these episodes early, you can do so by becoming a patron. Just go to asog.site and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a patron helps support the show, gets you several perks, and is tax-deductible. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and on YouTube so you never miss any of the upcoming episodes. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy-to-use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to GetShopware.com and see what I mean today. That's GetShopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.